Corinthians 5, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're going to continue this study on the subject. I say it's, it's on music, it is and it isn't, but, uh, and, and if you haven't been with us for the whole series, you really probably don't know what I mean by that. But in so many words, we're, we're learning about discernment, we're learning about proving all things under the Lord, we're learning about how to have a, uh, the right kind of judgment. Look, the world says don't judge anything. The reality is people make judgment. Like, like for, for example, if I said to, to Jose, uh, I don't like how you're judging someone. By me saying that, I'm judging him. Everyone's making judgments all the time. The, the question is whether or not they are righteous judgments. You, I don't mean to, to pick on the younger generation, but you're constantly having this garbage crammed down your throat that you cannot judge anything, and that's not true. You, you have no, if you don't have any judgment at all, you're insane. All right, you, you have to be able to judge what things are right and what things are wrong. Uh, my wife got a, uh, uh, I don't know if I should tell this or not, she got a bottle of castor oil. Anybody know what that is? All right, anybody, anybody familiar with those pregnancy folklore? Th- I don't know if that's folklore or not, but listen, when you're desperate, you'll try anything. And she got this bottle, but it wasn't the right kind. And it said on the back, it says, Do, not to be ingested. She goes, you think I should drink this? I said, probably not. I don't want to lose you. I got too many kids. I can't take care of them on my own. That you have to have the ability to look at things and judge whether they are right or wrong. Um, and, and some of the things that we've explored is a matter of, you know what? Maybe you can handle this. I can't because I know where it takes me, right? So, so those are some of the things that we've been learning about, some of the principles. Look at Romans 12 and look at verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living what? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable... It's only reasonable that if the creator of the universe became one of you, lived a sinless life, died in your place, that in return, not that you are paying for your salvation because you cannot do that, but but in return, out of gratitude, you go, you know what, Lord, I'm yours. (laughs) You, You bought me, I'm yours. And look at it says here in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, what? You are to prove, listen to me, you are to prove what the will of God is for your life. All right, go to First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, look, if you would, at verse... Number 15, see that none render evil for evil unto any man. That person that cut you off in traffic and then gave you the bird and you want to give it back to him. (laughs) There's your verse right there. (laughs) All right. Uh, But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and all men. Rejoice evermore. You got I mean, put a stinking smile on your face, man. All right. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. People, people say all the time, I want, to know the, I want to know the will of God for my life. God, what is, what is your will for my life? And then the things that are black and white in Scripture that God says, this is my will for your life, you're not doing. God will never reveal to you that which is gray if you're not taking care of that which is black and white. All right, he says, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Look at this. Prove all things. That takes judgment. 
And when you prove those things, you hold on to the things that are good. By implication, look at the verse, hold fast that which is good. The implication is you let go of the garbage so you can hold on to that which is good. And then look, if you would, at uh, verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, here's your trinity, and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Eric Alcorn, I'm so glad you made it. He got here 20 minutes earlier than his flight was supposed to land. Uh, that's why I was up here, and you'll get him back again soon enough. But, brother, if you would open us up in a word of prayer. Amen. Be seated if you would. Notice in verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That's, that's W-H-O-L-L-Y. In other words, entirely or completely. Let me ask you this. When is that going to happen doctrinally, prophetically? When is your body sanctified once and for all? Is that, right? is that, is that perfectly happening right now, or is that a future event? Future event. What do we call that event? The rapture, all right? So in that event, your body will be completely sanctified. You know why? Because God gives you a new one, <laughs> unlike the one that you have right now. But, but in light of that, in light of that, you know what the Lord wants? In light of where you're headed, God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be complete. God wants you to be pure. And listen, that includes all of you. Clearly, the moment you got saved, and if you're not saved, you're missing out. This is the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. What God does, he takes your sins from your soul, and he washes them away. Amen. And then he separates the part of you that's going to cause all the trouble for the rest of your life, your flesh, from the eternal part of you, your soul. So the stuff you mess up in in the flesh never touches your soul. Isn't that a blessing? So your soul is clean, no doubt about that, and spiritually you are to be renewed. We're going to learn about that, uh, but, but physically, can I say this as well? God wants to use a clean vessel. God wants to take what the world has defiled and clean you from the inside out. God is not so much concerned that you conform yourself to all the standards of Pastor Adrian as much as the leading of the Spirit of God in your life. In other words, maybe I haven't said something's wrong for you, but God is telling you, hey, knock that off. You should listen to that because God wants to purify you more and more as we come closer to the coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, look at 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter number 3. You ought to be living your life. L- learn about this uh, last night with our discipleship group. You ought to be living your life in light of Jesus Christ coming back. Now, now, look, I'm not going to call someone a heretic or say that they're wrong if they got a date for the rapture, but I'm going to tell you this much. I'll, all I can tell you is this. I want to live my life every single day as if he was coming back today. 
Maybe there is a date that I don't know about. Someone else has figured out. But you know what? I, I want to approach this the way Paul did. And Paul said, look, you ought to be loving his appearing and waiting for him to come back right now. Let me ask you a question. If the Lord Jesus Christ came back in the next five minutes, or let's say in the next four hours, uh, and, and you, you had some kind of idea that was coming, would that not affect how you talk to people? Would that not affect what you listen to in your car? Would that not affect, I got one amen, thank you. Would, would that not affect what you watch when you get home tonight? Would that not affect what you scroll through on your phone? Absolutely it would. You, you would know, man, I don't want to be caught doing that when he comes back. Well, let me just, first off, let me tell you this. He's already with you, all right? He's not like way up there and he doesn't know what's going on. He's already inside of you watching everything that's going on in your life. But, but, but I will say this. You living in light of him coming back, boy, that'll do something for you. Look at 1 John chapter 3. Look, if you would, at verse uh, number 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. The the word now implies what kind of tense? Present tense, right? Like right now. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Shall is future tense. Talking about when we get there, when we get uh, raptured out of here. But we know that when he shall appear, future, we shall future be like him. For we shall future see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope, that's right now, that's present. Every man that hath this hope in him, what are the next two words? You know what the Lord's concerned about? You know what God cares about? He cares about your purity. Uh, Go back to 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's go back there and let's look at it one more time. God wants your mind and your body and your spirit to be pure. And, and, and listen, obviously, the moment you got saved, your soul was taken care of. But, but your mind is an amazing tool that God gave you, and your mind can be cluttered with garbage. And it can absolutely affect the way that you live your life. Now, you don't have to raise your hand or anything like that, but have you ever come to church with all kinds of stuff in your mind that you and God know isn't right? And, and you can sit there, and someone else is saying, amen, and they're excited, and they're, man, they're throwing a book, they're throwing a hanky, they're all, yeah, praise God, hallelujah. And you're sitting there going, I don't get what they're all excited about. I don't see why they are so obnoxious. I don't know what, I, I'm not getting anything out of this. Anyway, are you getting anything out of this? I mean, you may not say that out loud, but you're thinking it. And the reason why is because of the stuff that's going on in your mind. All right, now, now you say, well, what, what does that have to do with, with the fact that I'm a three-part person? Well, go back to Romans chapter number 12. All right, he sanctified you holy, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He wants you to be completely pure and clean from the inside out. Now, one thing you learn about the Lord is there's an order to things. God does not do things out of order. All right, now, now for example, uh, and I know this is controversial today, I get it, and I, I understand, I know where I'm at, I know I'm in 2022. Guys, I run a business with 20-somethings as the majority of my business are 20-somethings that are not born-again Bible-thumping Christians, okay? All right, some of them are saved, but they're not necessarily where you're at, and I can can tell you this much. What I'm about to say is going to sound very controversial out in the world, but the reason why you don't enter into a physical relationship before, the reason why you shouldn't just get, you know, living with someone before you're married is because what you're doing is you're doing something out of order. It doesn't mean that in the end that you can't have a wonderful family and all that. Praise God for his mercy and his forgiveness and all that stuff. But the reason why it, it isn't the way that, God, that it doesn't work the way that it should is because it's not God's design. It's like this. You're trying to uh, think about this. Imagine going to a, a company and going, I want the benefits. I just don't want to come to work. 
do you know what shacking up is? It's you wanting the benefit, but you don't want to put in the commitment. Amen, amen. I know, I know where I'm at. You're like, mm, 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 mm. I know, I get it. But it doesn't change what the Bible, don't, don't quit. We need to quit changing what God says so we feel better about us. What God says is right, and, and rather than us trying to get God to align with us, we should try to get aligned with Him. We're talking about the will of God for your life, right? So if you want to know the will of God for your life, look at Romans 12 one more time. I want to go to some other verses in light of this. Look at Romans chapter 12. Do you know what sensual music will do? It'll create a sensual mindset. To where when the spiritual is supposed to be activated, it just can't get into gear. All right, look at Romans chapter number 12. Romans 12, and look if you would again at verse number 2. And be not, now I'm going to write something here on the, on the board. Be not, what's the next word? All right, well, for those of you that uh, forget the original Greek, how about the original Spanish, all right? Original Latin, I'm sorry, gentlemen, I'm going to try to keep this over here, all right? <laughs> all right, but, uh, all right, you guys that speak Spanish, what does the word con mean? All right, so with, be not with the form of the world, all right? Boy, <laughs> you guys probably know what the word trans means these days, don't you? All right, all right, so, but be ye transformed. Not the way they do it today, but you understand. All right, be, be transformed by the what? By the renewing of what? So you know what he says? If you're going, listen, you don't want to have the shape of the world in your life. You don't want the world's image in your life. You don't want to look around and go, okay, how do they dress? How do they talk? How do they live? How do they have relationships? How do they get married? How do they have a family? Man, whatever they're doing, first off, you ought to, let's just take the Bible aside for a moment and just look at society. You ought to have a brain and go, that ain't good. We're not going in the right direction. Anyone that says we're evolving, I would challenge you to go, leave your door unlocked at night in Denver. <laughs> we're not evolving. Do you know you could do that in Denver 50 years ago? What's changed? Right. What's that? Less faith, absolutely. And you know what the Bible says, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith upon the earth. The more that we sequester that and we allow us to dictate what is right for us rather than God doing so, the less image of God we see in the world and the more image of the world we see. And so the challenge for the Christian is this. The challenge for you is for you not to basically be the world and to have the same form and the same mindset as the world. Why does he say that the, the contrast to being conformed with the world is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? He says that because this is where it all happens. This is where you go, oh, that's no big deal. Oh, I can handle that. Oh, I, that's where all this stuff, this is where the battle happens, all right? Uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. I've, I've counseled a lot of Christians over the years, and I can tell you this with certainty. Most of the issues that you're going to have go back to what and how you think about things. All right? This is where the battle takes place. And if you're going to align yourself with God's will for your life, this needs to be changed. You can't change this. Listen to me if you're using the same stuff that you used before you were saved to program this. 
All right, and, and, and that, that spans a lot of different, that, that spans so many areas of your life. What you say to yourself, I'm not trying to sound like a psychologist, but if you say to yourself, there's no way I can do that, well, chances are you're not going to do that, right? Why? Because you, you're literally saying, regardless of I can do all things through Christ, you basically said, well, God's a liar, I think this, right? Or, or, or it, whether it's that or it's, man, the things that I am programming my mind to think along the lines of, with the entertainment that I bring. I'm not saying all entertainment's bad. I'm not saying you can't be entertained. I'm not saying that it's all evil, but I'm gonna tell you this. If you are just mindless about what you bring in, it's going to program this. It will affect how you look at the world. Absolutely. Now, look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and uh, look, if you would, at verse number three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I recently spoke with someone. They said, man, I just want so badly for God to deliver me of this thing. And I, I, I gently as I could, I said, brother, I said, I don't know that it's so much about God delivering you from that as much as you changing how you look at this. Because you can say, God deliver me, God deliver me, God deliver me, God deliver me. But if your mindset's backwards on how God looks at it, God's not going to move to make you feel better about this situation. God's going to tell you, align your mind to think how I wrote this book. Not because this is the mind of God. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down what? Those are things in your mind, aren't they? Isn't it amazing how you can make something in your mind that isn't true at all? And you can do that even with church people. You can go, well, they didn't shake my hand the other day. Then, then I, I texted them, and they didn't write back for like two days. And, and then, you know, I, I saw their kid. Their kid was like saying something mean to my kid in the nursery. They spit on them or I don't know, whatever. You know, they, ate their, they, they stole their cookies and then spit in their face. I don't know, whatever your thing might be. And before you know it, you're thinking all this kind of stuff about church people that isn't even real. All right, th- this is where you get into trouble. Casting down imaginations and pulling down strongholds. You say, why? Because those are the things that make you tick. And, and if you are allowing your mind to be programmed by the world, hey, look, when it comes to relationships, you'll think like they do. And you'll try to have relationships like they do. When it comes to friendships, you'll, have to have, you'll try to have friendships like they do. When it comes to your sense of value, how many likes did I get on my post? You'll do the same thing the world does. Hey, that's not how you, that's no, that's no sense of value for a Christian, but that's how the world thinks. You know what you have to have? You have to learn to say, okay, the things that I'm thinking, if they're not aligned with what God said, I need to pull them down. Do you know what this is about Amnon? I, I know we've gone through this recently, uh, but Amnon, the guy that, that uh, you know, it's a terrible story in the Bible. This guy rapes his half-sister. You know what it says? He thought it hard for him to do anything at, unto her. In other words, I would never do that. But he kept thinking, I would never do that. I would never do that. I would never do that. Are you, are you watching? Are you listening to what I'm saying? In other words, you shouldn't have been thinking about that to begin with. You know what you should learn to do? God, that thought is not yours. And I submit it to the Lord Jesus Christ. These are not thoughts that are right. And God, I am, I'm not going to let that dwell in my mind. Why? Because I'm to let the Lord Jesus Christ dwell here. I'm to put off the old man and put on the new man. All right, Uh, look what it says here in verse uh, number five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. You know what you ought to do in your mind? You may think I'm crazy. I do this sometimes. When I have a thought that does not belong there, I literally envision the Lord taking that thought, strapping it to a chair and duct taping it to that chair and going, you sit right there. You don't belong in Adrian's mind. That's what I think in my mind. 
Why? Because I'm supposed to submit that to him. Not continue to dwell on something that God says is not true. How do you define that which is truth? Feeling? What society says? Or do you go back to the word of God? So when your mind is going in a direction, you have to learn to say, okay, if this isn't right, I I want to be found in the will of God. In order to have a pure body, I have to have a pure mind. Uh, Look, if you would, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Is this making sense? We'll get to the music stuff in a little bit. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, look, if you would, at verse... Number three, you want to know what the will of God is for your life? I'm going to run through some verses on this, but if you go to the next slide for me, thank you. Um, uh, Just a couple verses, these are not all of them, but just a couple of them that say, hey, in black and white, this is the will of God. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and uh, look if you would at verse uh, number one. Furthermore, uh, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to what? Do you know the reason that you exist right now is to please God? Amen. The Bible says, uh, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You are a created being created by God for His pleasure. So if you're not pleasing God, if you're not aligning your life to His will, you're missing out on the purpose of life. That's why you're here. That's why your heart continues to beat and you continue to breathe. When people go out in the world and they go, why am I here? Look, I don't have a problem with a lost person going, why are we here? What does it all mean? Is anyone actually here at all? Is this all, are we all part of the matrix? You know, are we just like avatars? I mean, honestly, if I was lost, I might believe someone. I don't know. But I can tell you this, as a saved person, you shouldn't walk around wondering why you're here. (laughs) You're here to please the Lord. All right, so, so you're learning what it is that pleases God. Look, if you would, at verse uh, number uh, two. For, we know, for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Good evening, ladies. Good to see you. Look at verse three. For this is the will of God, even your what? That's your purity. Uh, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel and sanctification and honor. Look at Ephesians chapter number six. All right, so obviously God's will is for us to be pure. Ephesians chapter number six. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number five. All right, you know what God's will is? For you to be a hard worker. Some of you are like, man, just preach about God's grace and his love. and his mercy. Don't preach about this, you know, like me working hard stuff. I don't like that. Uh, we, our, our society is kind of like, look, I'll never forget years ago, we had a song leader here. And he's a good man. And I'm, I'm going to pick on him for a moment. But he was my employee at the time. He goes, dude, dude, I don't think you understand, Adrian. I, I just want to make more money and not work. <laughs> that was pretty funny. All right. But, but the truth is uh, you ought to desire to work to please God. Uh, look at Ephesians 6. Look at verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. So your boss sucks, huh? All right, can you look past your boss and go, I'm doing this for you, Jesus? Yeah, you said sucks from the pulpit. You hear way worse on the TV. Don't you dare. And you sit there and you come to church. He said sucks, I'm never going back. Okay, all right. Bear with me a little of my folly and listen to what I'm actually trying to tell you. What I'm trying to tell you is this, is that when it comes to your work, you should do it for Jesus. 
Uh, look at verse 6. Not with eye service. In other words, I'm not just working when the boss is around. <laughs> as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, watch it, underline it, doing the will of God from the what? See, this is where God's looking. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. This is called Midweek Bible. So that's why we're looking at a lot of verses. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he what? So God's will is for us to be pure, yes. God's will is for us to have a testimony through our work uh, ethic. All right, these are the things that are God's will for our life. We already saw 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. 1 Peter 3 says that, that it may be the will of God that you suffer. Maybe God's will is for some of us to go through some things. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. When it's Tim's turn to go through hardship, I'm like, praise God. I'm, God, I'm so thankful God is working in Tim's life. Amen? When God's doing that in my life, I'm like, why is this happening to me? Right? But, but really, you know how you got to learn to do? Say, Lord, if this is your will, I want to embrace it. I asked you before, do you want the will of God for your life? If you do, you ought, to, you ought to desire purity. You ought to desire to keep your hands busy. You ought to desire when God brings hardship your way to go, okay, Lord, if this makes me more like you, then I want it. You know what God's will is? He doesn't want anyone to be lost. Look at Second Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not willing that any should perish. You know that? If, you're, if you've never been born again, you know what God does not want? God does not want you to leave this place lost like you came. 2 Peter chapter 3, look if you would at verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. What an understatement. I mean, talk about long-suffering. When you get to know people, like really get to know them and their flaws and their tendencies and their quirks, you start to get repelled by them. And God knows every single one of yours, and he still loved you. <laughs> that is, as that, that blows, he's long-suffering to us where, watch this, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what God's will is? God's will is for you to be in alignment with Him, starting with you getting saved. And then after that, staying right with Him. So, so when you say, what is God's will? All right, let's go through the list. Just, so, just from the just, just 30,000 foot view, there's a lot of other verses, just a few of them. He wants you to get saved. Once you're saved, He wants you to have a testimony for Him and work diligently with your hands. Once you're saved, He wants you to have a pure testimony and a pure life. Uh, once you're saved, you know what the God may do? He may bring some suffering. He may bring some hardship into your life. That's all part of what God, you say, why? Because God's looking at things that you can't see. And what God's trying to do is he's trying to conform the image of Jesus Christ in your life. And the only way to do that is to change you from the inside out. So it's, when we talk about music, it's not just like, oh, I can't listen to that and I can't listen to that. No, it's, it's about bringing the things in your life that will bring out the character of Jesus Christ inside of you. Uh, look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, little case study tonight. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, I included some Little Legos here uh, to kind of illustrate this. Hope you can appreciate that. This is about as far as my art goes. First uh, Samuel chapter 16. You see what's going on. We're learning about a man named Saul. And Saul has got some issues. All right. Uh, Saul uh, skipped the anger management leadership class 
uh, when he was uh, learning how to be a king, uh, he skipped all the classes, I guess you could say. Um, and, uh, he, you know, he, he's got some issues. Um, I, I think if you study the scriptures, what you learn is that Saul was afflicted by uh, spiritual things. It wasn't just a, a matter of mental things. And here's where it gets weird. All right, you're a body, you're a soul, and you're a spirit. And uh, thankfully, the things that you do in your body cannot touch your soul. But they can affect your spirit. In uh, 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 6, don't quote me on that, but look it up later. It talks about being uh, cleansed from the filthiness of the spirit. Which means that you can allow your human spirit to be affected by the things that are going on. The things that you take in, some of those things that you take in mentally. So, so, so what, you, what you learn in the scriptures is there can be effects on your body starting with the spiritual that trickle into the mental that affect you physiologically. Uh, let me give you an example. All right? I'll just take a, a, a simple one. I don't know why this would be controversial, but I'm sure it will be for somebody. But let's say that uh, you're doing some, some heavy drugs. You're doing some drugs and you say, what is that? That, that affects your body. Absolutely it does. All right? but, but you understand also that that can affect you spiritually. Because you're opening yourself up to stuff that you shouldn't be opening yourself up to. And clearly that's going to affect you mentally down the road as well. All right, so, so all these things are connected, even though your soul is no longer, you know, attached from the eternal consequences of the flesh. You, you can't get away from the idea that what you bring into your body affects the rest of you, right? And, and so we learned about this before. You've got the eye gate. You've got the ear gate. You know what's so, so by the way, I got to throw this out there. I know some of you may not appreciate this. But you know, TikTok is, I'm, is, this is not a political thing. This is a spiritual thing. Just bear with me. TikTok is owned pretty much by China. Do you know what China does not allow their youth to look at? You know where some of you are trying to learn your Bible? TikTok. Don't learn your Bible through TikTok, okay? You're only going to get bits and pieces and stuff like Don't point at people in church, man. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you, you over there. I see you back there. <laughs> now, if he can do it, I can do it too, right? <laughs> but, you know, they won't, they won't let their youth look at that stuff. You know why? Because they know it's intended to dumb the next generation down. You know, you know what they have? They have a version of TikTok. It starts with a P. I forget what it's called. But they give it to the youth to learn about museums, culture, history, science projects, uh, patriotism. They don't let their kids watch the garbage your kids are watching. You know why? Because they, at least, even though they're not saved, they understand that when you combine the visual with the audible and you put those things together, it's very powerful. Uh, you old folks, remember MTV? All right. Now, now I know some of you don't even know what that is anymore or you think all it is is a, a, a channel with commercials on it, but it used to be back in the day. Or how about this one? You, this is how you test old people. VH1. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, okay, I remember, I remember watching videos on VH1 and MTV, you, you put music and video together, it's powerful, all right, and the devil knows that as well, and so you have to be careful what you're bringing into your mind, because it absolutely can affect you, it can affect you physically as well, uh, they've done studies where they'll take, you know, some of you have heard this for years, you know this, but some of you don't, They've taken plants in nurseries and they've blared classical music and they've watched those plants flourish. In other nurseries, they've blared, you know, acid rock and they watched those plants die. And you go, well, I ain't a plant. I know you're not a plant. 
But you understand that just physiologically speaking, the vibrations itself does something to you physiologically. All right, not, not even counting the mental and spiritual aspects. So saying all that, Saul is in some deep spiritual and mental trouble. I would subscribe to you tonight that much of what we call mental health issues today are really spiritually uh, uh, rooted, but the society we're in doesn't understand that because they don't have the Bible. All right, so, so let me ask you this. Um, if, if you had a headache and I gave you a Band-Aid, would you be like, what's wrong with you? Right? So if you have a spiritually rooted issue and I give you a pill, should you not question that every once in a while? I didn't say if you're on something, quit cold turkey. I didn't say that. But I'm going to tell you that our society is kind of backwards on some of this stuff. And, and, and look, I, I'm not, you're not, we're not in the Amish church. We're like, we don't go to no doctors here. You know, like we don't, no, 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 go, please. I mean, thankful for doctors, thankful for medicine, thankful for all that stuff. If you come to me and go, Pastor, I've got this migraine, what do I do? I would say, take some Tylenol, you know, do something. I don't know, drink a lot of water. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't just say pray. I know you need to pray, but I tell you to do something physically. But when you're dealing with a spiritual issue and you're ignoring the spiritual root of it and you bypass that, you're not going to get the help you need. Look at Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And you say, what's going on? Well, uh, David is uh, the man that God has anointed to be the next king. Saul does not know that yet. Saul is currently the king. Look at verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Now, now let, me just, let me just stop real quick. One thing that you should thank the Lord for tonight is that verse 14, if you're saved, will never happen in your life. That's a blessing. That's a, that's a, that's a big note to, to take here because we're looking at an Old Testament pa- passage to gain some New Testament perspective on how to deal with some issues in life today. But you cannot ignore the doctrinal the difference here. The Spirit of God will never leave you once you're saved. All right. Now you can quench him and you can grieve him, uh, but look what it says here in verse 14. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on harp. Now, hold on a second. This guy's got spiritual issues and they're talking about music. Why do you suppose that is? And this shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be, what's the last word? Well, that's just what they thought. Okay, well, let's keep reading. Look at verse 18. And then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that's David, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep, so on and so forth. Now now look at the end of the chapter. Look down, if you would, at verse number uh, 23. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand, so Saul was what? And was what? And the evil spirit departed from him. Now, you say, what's going on here? Well, I believe his body was refreshed. He was well mentally and spiritually he was restored. You say, well, how did that happen? Well, partially because of the music that was in, involved. Now, look, I'm not going to tell you if you're having spiritual you know, issues that music's always the solution. But I can tell you this one, the right music will not hurt you. 
And I can tell you, I, there's been many a time in my life where I've been down, I've been down the dumps, you know, I want to eat worms and die and crawl in a corner and no one loves me and everybody hates me or I'm afraid of something, I've got anxiety, whatever it might be. And there's something about godly music that does something for your spirit, Amen. your mind, and yes, even your body. Let me ask you a question. Can, can we argue with what happened in First Samuel 16? I can't argue with it. The ar- there's no argument against the fact that there was someone that was troubled spiritually and, and what God did, go to the next slide, brother, if you would, is he refreshed this man's body, his mind was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. You say, what happened? Well, God's trying to address the entire man. God's trying to deal with all of that man. And, and, and you can't, what I'm trying to get is this. Let's think about this logically for a moment. If the right kind of music can do that, what can the wrong kind of music do? And here's another thought, which I know is really just conjecture, but I just... I just wonder, what was Saul listening to before? <laughs> Can't prove it, but, but some, there's a delineation with what David does when David ministers to him in music. By the way, when we're singing at church, it's ministry. I know I talked about that recently. It's not entertainment. That's why when someone sings a special, it's not, okay, they're done. We liked it. You know why? Now, look, we do that for the kids to encourage them. For the adults, we don't really need to do that. You know what you're doing when the adults get up to sing? They're worshiping God and trying to minister to you. Let me ask you a question. When I say something that's a blessing to you, what do you say? You don't say, unless you're in a mega church where they stand up and clap. Where did that come from? I'm not, exactly. It's a culture thing. But what that is is, listen, I, I go to conferences, and when the people like what the leader says, but this is different. This is supposed to be ministry. And what I'm getting at is this. Music has an absolute effect on you. But if you go to the next slide, uh, not only was his body refreshed, his mind is well again. Your thinking, listen to me, can be influenced by sound music. That evil spirit departed. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And... and we, we're just going to skim the surface on the subject of worship, all right? But Ephesians chapter 5, look if you would at verse number uh, 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So if you are filled with the Spirit, one of the natural byproducts, uh, look if you would at verse number 19, is speaking to yourselves in psalms. Do you know that the God of, of Islam does not accept music as part of worship? That's an interesting thing. All right? Keep that in the back of your mind because the largest book in your Bible is the book of Psalms. It's a musical book. All right? Uh, look if you would at verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Clearly, there's a spiritual transaction that takes place when you're filled with the Spirit that one of the natural things that should follow is you singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And in processes of doing so, you are giving God thanks for what He's done inside of you. That's what worship is. That's what we're going to start to see in regards to worship. Look at this one more time, Colossians 3. By the way, if you're not familiar with this, Ephesians and Colossians are sister books in the Bible. There are a lot of similarities between the two books. Uh, Colossians, just a little bit to the right. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 3, uh, we'll see the same idea. Look at verse number 16. Colossians 3, verse uh, number 16. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So, so there's, there's a connection, listen to me very carefully, between the word of God and the spirit of God working in your life. Can we agree on that? So, so in one passage, he talks about being full of the spirit. Over here, where he talks about the same things, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Where does it dwell? You know where it should start? Right here. We're talking about renewing the mind. When you're driving down the road and you're thinking about that ex-girlfriend from 10 years ago, if you're married, you better let that thing go, boy. Amen. Amen. If you don't, your wife will slap, it, slap you in the name of Jesus and get it right out of your mind. Amen. But, but what I'm getting at is this. You, you have to take this and go, okay, I have to fill this with, wait, with how God thinks. How do I do that? I fill my mind with the Word of God. When you're younger, and I, again, I don't want to pick on them, but I, I, you guys have the ability to memorize music and songs and all that kind of stuff, and that's all fine and good. Why don't you do that with Scripture? Take note cards, put them up, put them on your phone. Put, just put the Word of God in your heart. Let it dwell in there. Listen, to dwell somewhere does not mean you're just passing through. You know what they say sometimes? Take your coat off. Sit a while. Why? You're not supposed to be passing through with the Lord. He should be dwelling and filling you. And so you know what you do? Take the Word of God in here. And as it dwells in there, you know what happens? The Spirit of God inside of you is ministered to by that, and He fills you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And as that's coming in, you are being filled with the Spirit of God. And as you are filled with the Spirit of God, you notice you're not griping and complaining as much. And people around you are like, man, you had a bad day. Just, no, it was a great day. The Lord's good. Amen. And you know, some of you are like, what's that like? Try it out. It's really good. You get filled with the Spirit. It starts coming out of you. And you know what happens? As that's happening, you start going, you know what? I'm kind of feeling like I just need to give God some praise and some thanks. Yeah. Look what it says here in verse uh, number 16, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, I, I want to point out one difference between the two passages. They're, they're sister passages. But in one, he says, singing and making melody in your hearts. You're doing this to yourself. In this passage, you're doing it to others. Did you catch that? And now you're taking what's been brought inside of you and you're pouring it out. That's, and partially, that's what we are supposed to do when we gather together and sing these songs. We're to take what's been put inside of us and pour it back out. You say, what for? To, to express our gratitude. Look at verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Brother Joe, can you come up for a moment? Um, I forget what number that is. I'm going to... Full participation as we kind of end things tonight. We're going to talk a little bit more about worship next Wednesday night, but um, you know what song that is, brother? All right. Four, go to 40 something in your red book. 409. Stand with me. You can't sing this sitting down, all right? As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long. My spirit yield. You 
time. Just close your eyes. Think, listen to music. Think about the words. Kind of, you know what drives this song? The melody. There's a beat there. You look at the front of the song and there's a four on top of a four. That's a four, four beat. There's rhythm. Absolutely. But the melody is what carries that music. Think about who Jesus Christ is to you. Thank you. Be seated. Be seated. Now I want to contrast that. Caleb, do you got what I sent you? Okay. Now let think about what you were just singing listening to, and I, I dare I say even feeling. There's nothing wrong with feeling something in the Lord. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But contrast that to this. Look, I'm not saying everything out there is bad, but you got to admit, like, there's, that ain't the same. It's different. And is there far worse music out there? Yes. Am I saying that someone that has listened to that before is the worst Christian ever? No. But if you're trying to change how you think, and you used to bring the elements of the world into your life, and you think simply by changing some of the words that it can still be worship, like you're taking yourself to a different place. You're not in the same, you're in the same room, but you're not in the same room, all right? And, and what I'm trying to show you is this, you, you can't, you cannot take what belongs to the world. You can't, 
I know the illustration's old, but I, I can't take vodka and put a cross on the bottle and go, this is Christian vodka now. You understand? Amen. I can't do that. I, I can't take a bet. Now, some of you would have a problem with me that with me saying that, but then if I talk about marijuana, like, yeah, that's bad. Well, it does generally the same thing to you. But if it, regardless of that, if I took a bag of weed and put Christian weed on the bag, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take it as Christian. I, if I put, I'm sorry, I don't want to be vulgar, gentlemen's clubs that you drive by in Denver and put Christian gentlemen's club. Why is that funny? You know why it's funny? Because you know it's absurd. And yet, when it comes to this subject, you think you can take what belongs to the world, slap the name Christian on it, and make it different. Your battle, listen to me, is right here. And in order to prove the will of God for your life, you are going to have to change what you bring in. You're going to have to see that the God of the Bible is the God of holiness. He's a God of purity. And he wants things to be different here and here than they are out there. Amen? Uh, let me give you one last place, Second Chronicles chapter 5, and we'll kind of wrap it up here. Second Chronicles. We're just going to touch the surface tonight. Brother, if you go to the next slide, the effects of good worship, and just kind of leave you with this thought. Here's what good worship can do for you. Now, what we'll learn next week is that not all worship involves music, but music is going to worship something. It's going to point you to something, all right? Uh, Second Chronicles, it's, it's like we said, for those who are in discipleship on Sunday, you can give without loving. Here, right? Your kid bugs you, mommy, 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 here, right? You're, you're not exactly loving them at the moment, right? You're putting up with them. But you can't love without giving, all right? Not all worship involves music, but I will say once music is involved, worship is right behind it. Now, watch. Second Chronicles chapter 5, and look if you would at verse number 12. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them, uh, this is why I love my Bible. I'm a kid of the 80s. I loved He-Man, okay? He's in the Bible. Watch this. Uh, of He-Man, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, musical instruments, stood at the east end of the altar with them and 120 priests sounding with trumpets, musical instrument. Now watch it. It came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as what? To make what kind of sound? One sound. To be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand and minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it be something if people came to our homes and they said, man, there's something different here. It just feels different. Don't you think people should come to church and feel that way? Compared to everything out there, I think so. And you know what happened? This is when Solomon was dedicating the temple. You can read about this in 1 Kings 8 as well. They said, okay, let's, let's, let's prepare for worship. There was preparation that was involved. And when they came together, there was harmony. 
with them working together. There was the melody of the music leading that thing. And there was something about what they were doing that God goes, I like that so much. I'm not just going to show up. I'm going to fill the place. And I I tell you what, if you want to find some good example of what worship can do for your life, it's right here. You you go driving down the road. I've done this before. I've I've been in traffic, and we'll, we'll close out here in just a second. I've been in traffic and just thinking about the goodness of God and praying, rejoicing, sometimes crying. You know, and then I don't, I forget. I'm like at a traffic light. I'm like, oh, good night, man. Praise God. And I look over and I realize someone's looking at me going, what's wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know what's wrong with me? The Lord's in my vehicle. Right. Let, let's pray that God fills a lot more areas of our life than what are filled right now. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to study it. Lord, to learn more about your will for our lives. Lord, would you, and I mean this, God, I know for me, I can't speak for everybody in here. Oftentimes, Lord, I want things that do not align with what you want. And uh, well, I want to be different. I want my mind to be different. Lord, I pray that you'd help our people, Lord, as a church family, Lord, not to be conformed not to be stuck, Lord, in the image of the world, but, Lord, to get beyond that. Lord, to bring in the Word of God, Lord, that it might dwell in us, and, Lord, more of it. And, Lord, not just to fill our minds with useless and meaningless information, data, and entertainment, but, Lord, to bring things in our minds that will bring value, Lord, that will stir you up inside of us. Lord, that you might rise up from within, fill us, and pour yourself out of us, onto the people around us, that we might make a difference. Lord, there are three and a half million people or souls that you see in this Denver metro area, most of which are lost without Jesus Christ. They're on their way to hell. They don't know you. They don't have peace. God, would you help us to, I don't know how else to say this, Lord, not to be so selfish. Lord, to look beyond ourselves and to let you dwell in us and your words to dwell in us so we can pour out what you put inside of us to make a difference on those around us, Lord, that the world may see what true biblical worship is of the one true God, Lord, that it might stir them and, and, and lead them to a place where they go, whatever that is, I want that. Lord, I pray you change us from the inside out. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the word tonight. Lord, thank you for the fellowship of the brethren. Be with all those that... Lord, are sick and just dealing with the, the uh, seems like the revolving door of sickness, Lord, and bring them back to health. And Lord, uh, Lord, I pray for my wife tonight as well. You might just give her grace to continue to get through the next few days. Lord, thank you for your, this great church. I, I love these people. I'm thankful to call them my family. We love you. Pray you come soon. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless.